Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special edition of the State of Play podcast, episode 86. It's just me from the State of Play today, Martino Puccio, as you can tell by my voice. I'm joined by a good friend and top MLS reporter, Tom Bogart. Tom, how you doing, brother? I'm doing good. How about yourself? Thanks for having me. Not bad, not bad. Um, season's winding down in Europe. Usually means the MLS is starting on up. Um, so obviously MLS season's very different. It's within a calendar year for all of our European listeners. Um, if you don't know that, opposed to starting in August all the way to May, like most uh, European leagues do. So Tom, um, I got to say, just to recap the end of last season a little bit, Last time we talked, it was in October. We were talking about some of the top talents that were coming out and uh, that could potentially move to Europe. And you 100% hit the nail on the head when we uh, were discussing this one former NCAA player, Dale TK. I mean, it's like, okay, he was doing well with Orlando City. And then all of a sudden you just see him transfer over to England. And now he's just one of the better players in the championship. And it's just... He's taking the world by storm. He's taking the world by storm so much so that I'm already seeing uh, AC Milan fans that um, follow me asking if Daryl DK is going to come in to replace Ibrahimovic um, in the summer, which is just insane, the trajectory. So kudos to you for shouting out that one. So, I mean, did you expect it this soon, though, for him to be making this sort of leap? Um, No. I mean, if, if we were talking in October and, and you said, hey, theoretically – do you think he could play at Barnsley? I would have said, yeah, that, that's really random. I don't know why you would ask that, but yeah, <laughs> I think he could play there. I wouldn't have thought that he'd be doing what he's doing. And it's made all the more impressive to me that it's worth reminding he transferred or he was loaned in during the dead of his offseason. He had last played a game for his for Orlando City in mid-November when they got eliminated from the playoffs. He went to two U.S. national team camps. He got hurt at the first one, so he didn't play any games. But he, uh, he was still training, of course. And then he, he makes his full senior national team debut. Two days later, he's in, uh, posing with a Barnsley jersey um, with, you know, a surprise move. And again, like, this, it comes from the dead of his offseason, jumping into the middle of the championship season, one of the leagues that is, like, the most chaotic in the world alongside MLS. Like, the fact yeah. that he's been able to come there and just hit the ground sprinting. He didn't have this goal record in MLS. Like, he was super impressive. He scored, I think, eight goals off the top of my head. He had scored, like, eight goals in 800 minutes so far with Barnsley. It's just insane, and it's so cool to watch this trajectory just continues to skyrocket. Like, yeah. I mean, there's really not much to say about the the leap that he's taken. Um, I think the last the, – the only stats you could really pull up um, for NCAA was just you get his Virginia stats and it just says he has five starts, but he scored five goals and five games for them. Like the the difference in quality and playing in the ACC all the way to the championship and you're talking about in 24 months, like that just never happens. It just, it just simply doesn't, you know, because all the top talents over here, now they're starting to come up as, as like young teenagers. And I think it's a real valuable thing for a lot of the naysayers about the draft and all yeah. these kids coming out of college and saying, Oh, they're never going to amount to anything. They're just going to be accountants or work a net normal nine to five. But now we have a guy that's in the championship and it's, it's got to change a lot on its head on top of, you know, 
what what everyone's been doing with Red Bull and and Houston's been great with their youth teams as well. But now it's kind of like, okay, now we don't really have to forego and ignore the draft or, or, or certain people in general, just the eyeballs towards it. Like everyone loves to be on the wave of who's going to be the next superstar, especially yeah. with Team USA, right? Because there's been a ton of talents coming out. Now I just think this, this helps MLS so much uh, because, because again, like, like I'm saying, like if you could have one Daryl DK, you have to imagine there's a lot more than that out there because there's thousands of student athletes um, in America. And then just on top of it, just the teenagers as well. Just do you expect more to come out of the draft like this? Or do you think he's kind of more of like a fluke at this point? Not to say it's a fluke because he's worked towards this, but kind of an anomaly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, yeah. Anomaly is probably a better word there, but it's yeah, a yeah. quick housekeeping <laughs> item just because after you said it, I was curious because he was at Virginia for two seasons. He had 15 goals and 36 appearances. And again, he wasn't a consensus top pick. But again, it's just so crazy. Pour one out real quick for not just the teams that passed on him, but not just that Miami took a forward instead of him, but Miami had the number one and number three pick. So they passed on him twice. And it's like the T-Wolves with Steph Curry. <laughs> exactly. They took Johnny Flynn and Ricky <laughs> Rubio. so yeah uh, yeah pour one out for Miami for that so they just they're missing out on somebody who's going to get likely sold you know at some point if if Orlando don't drop the bag here something for like 15 million bucks 10 million bucks which is wild that's not something that you can expect from the draft but some people who look at the draft and just categorically look and say you know there's no value there's no good players Mm -hmm. there's absolutely nothing we can do with this the only team that I'll allow to do that is the Philadelphia Union just because like I've talked to enough people there and it's like, look, it's not any disrespect to the draft itself. It's that we put so much money into our Academy and we have so many talents that we want to give shots to. We don't want to use roster spots on draft picks. And, and, you know, that's fair enough, but there's some other clubs like the Red Bulls, FC Dallas, who have really great academies who still use the draft. So, you know, it's obviously ridiculous to assume that you're going to get a $15 million player that just that's sitting there at number five. But then you, you, you can still get really, really useful players. Like in the same draft, the guy who was picked directly after DK was Henry Kessler. He was outstanding for New England in his rookie season. And he uh, was, you know, a fulcrum with the U23 national team in Olympic qualifying. Um, the second overall pick, Jack Meyer, uh, to Nashville, everybody I've talked to at that club over the, over the winter says, like, he's going to break out this season. Like, just you watch. Like, this dude's a talent too. So, look, if you're picking 18th, you're probably not going to get a starter, but particularly if, if you're picking in that top, you know, five to eight range, like you can still get like a talented contributing player. And even mm-hmm. sometimes you're going to get somebody like, you know, Henry Kessler is somebody that could be repeated, you know, a star, a day one starter at center back. Again, I, I wouldn't expect um, uh, too many Daryl DKs to keep, keep slipping through, but the country's so huge, man. You, you can't have every single pro level player at an MLS Academy. It's just not feasible. Yeah. Which is, yeah, which is, which is so true because I think a lot more people now within our country are really just seeing all the different avenues that you could go down because it just doesn't have to be the academy. Like you're saying, like, okay, sometimes it takes some time to just go where you need to go and and grow as a player. There's a little less, less pressure, right? Because if you're an academy player, I feel like you have a lot more weight on your shoulders with that because, because there's a lot of expectations for day one and there's a lot more examples I would say recently of, of players having so much success from that aspect, but I mean, yeah. So 
So we'll move on a little bit to try and preview this season in, in, in a vacuum. So I guess we could start with the Canadian clubs first, and then we'll head on to my South Beach again in Miami because they, it's a real interesting one there, especially the recent picture of Higuain that came out. Um, that just is, I don't know if you saw that one or if anyone has. It just He looks unrecognizable at this point. Um, so anyways, as we know, um, because we follow a lot of American sports as well, Canadian teams aren't playing at home um, in other sports for the moment, but MLS, as far as I understand, Tom, and correct me if I'm wrong, if I got this information wrong, for the first couple of months, uh, the Canadian teams are going to be playing in the States. And then eventually when it's okay, north of the border, they're going to be heading back home and playing at their usual venues. How much of an impact is that really going to take on some of these teams not being at home uh, being away from their families again, it's it's got to be difficult for some of them, right? Because there is an adjustment towards it. And like we've seen it kind of, the Toronto Raptors won the title a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and they're having a horrific season so far in the NBA. Um, the Blue Jays are doing kind of okay. So far it's way too early in baseball yeah, to kind of yeah, make yeah. any sort of judgment, right? And they played 60 games last mm-hmm. year and no one really takes that season seriously. So there's not much to go off of. Um, so what do you kind of expect from this? So, yeah, you have it right. It's kind of they, – they're starting in the United States right now. And after – I think it's six weeks is what everything's booked for right now. And then it's TBD. Um, the Athletic just put out a really good piece that I, I was only able to kind of peruse through. Um, and Sam Stagecoll said that, you know, the likely expectation is that they're not going to be able to, you know, be home for like, uh, like normal until, you know, like August. And that's just straight up brutal, man. I mean, obviously the obvious one that we look at because we see it is the the game day stuff. And it's like, oh, they're not at their own stadium. Like, this is weird. You know, they can't have fans or even just the familiarity of being in their own home locker room and the familiarity of everything at their own stadium. So that that's obviously a disadvantage. But the most important part is they're living out of a suitcase in a hotel for weeks at a time, not being with their families, not being in their normal routine, not being in their normal environment. It's just you know, really unfortunate. And like, it, it sucks so much. Like I I couldn't possibly imagine again, just living out of a suitcase in these times, um, you know, more so than anything else. And it's just though the mental wear and tear that that goes on, uh, you know, really is difficult to measure. Um, Mark Dos Santos, the head coach of the Vancouver Whitecaps um, and same thing with Greg Vanny, the Toronto FC head coach, uh, former Toronto FC head coach was, as we're saying it kind of, after their season ended because they didn't want to sound like they were making excuses, but they're like, look, you guys, you guys have no idea the, the toll this takes and how difficult this is. And, and they, they were both really quick to say, you know, I, I salute my players to everything that they've done, all the, the fighting that they've done to get through all this. Like, I'm, I'm not sure that the general fan or even somebody who's, you know, air quote an insider like me, I, even I don't really, I can't really appreciate it. And like, I think that this is just something that, you know, not enough people are taking into, you know, full consideration. And again, myself included, it's just easy to be kind of out of sight, out of mind with this, but it's just really, really unfortunate. Yeah. Um, and not, not even to boot, they had the CBA issue going on as well prior to last season. Like, I mean, there's just so many outside, there's so much outside noise for a lot of these players that a lot of people just kind of just don't understand. I would say with a lot of casuals, for instance, because they don't realize like not only are these guys not getting paid as handsomely as you would think they're in conditions in our current day and age that are just 
mentally wear you down and there's just no doubt about it. And I think, and I think you could see it within a lot of players as well. Um, so hopefully they can make that adjustment and hopefully six weeks could be the minimum, but you never really know these days. So um, best of luck to all the Canadian teams there. So we'll head down to South beach. Um, headlines, I guess you could say is probably the best word to describe Miami so far. Uh, they bring in Phil Neville, buddy of um, David Beckham, former um, English women's national team head coach for a few years. Um Again, I you can't go off of what his brother did did in Spain because that was just a disaster. Um, he was on the in, coaching staff a little bit. I'm I'm pretty sure he was the assistant for like half a season. I would, yeah. I mean, listen that that whole that whole thing is just it's just a meme at this point. Uh, we'll, just, we'll just say we'll just say that. I know I've seen uh, I've seen a couple viral tweets go uh, crazy from Gary's point of view after he was talking about a beatdown. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, he heads over to MLS here. It's going to be their uh, second season, excuse me. Um, so he, they get Higuain's, the big summer transfer, right? Um, huge name. He's just taken a massive dip in general um, from a player who set the goal-scoring record in Italy and goes to Juve, plays really well there, a, a vocal point in those teams winning the consecutive titles, again, a part of the nine-peat, um, one of those guys. Comes over here, it's just one goal. What can what can you really say about this? Um, did, it was this just you know an outlier of a season because it's really difficult on everyone. He's adjusting to a new league, new country, uh, training regimen. This guy's been known lately to still be out of shape, and it doesn't look like he is in shape. And I know it's kind of rough to go off pictures, but again, if you kind of see any semblance of a gut on a soccer player, it's probably not a good thing. Um, what what kind of what kind of player does he have to be for Inter Miami to do to do anything this season? He's got to have at least eighteen goals at minimum, in my opinion, considering yeah. the type of player he is. Yeah, and and the importance that he's going to be on the team, and and um, Neville has made uh, no bones about it, and he, he's been like, look, like we have a good foundation. I you know I think things are coming well together, but look, we're only going to go as far as Rodolfo Bizarro and and Gazali Lang take us, and that's that's true for you know your two most expensive players you know in MLS if, if if they're both bad then there's nothing you can do so you know look last year he, he was disappointing but he, he passed the eye test for me enough you know like I'm not gonna give him too much crap for a missed penalty that happened like I'm not I'm not gonna give him too much crap for a couple of other things like he was moving his movement was good I thought um and, and a, a player of his quality and his experience I, I think that that'll come good so I think it's more about the fact that they don't have real chance creators. Rodolfo Bizarro is extremely talented, but he's never been like a number 10, like in the classic sense. He's been more of like, you know, like a winger who's playing as a 10 or even when he's playing as like a, you know, a secondary playmaker kind of guy rather than a chance creator. And and their assist leader from last year is a winger who is doing it mostly with crosses, which should be theoretically good for Inguain. But again, it, they don't really have a true number 10 in the sense of I mean, they do have his brother Federico, but his brother is very old and is known. <laughs> uh, um, has not he had a torn ACL a couple years ago, and while he can still do it in moments, he, he's obviously not a starter or like the MVP level he was, you know, seven years ago in MLS. So I, I'm less worried about Iguain himself and much more worried about the chance creation. So, you know, we'll see what um, you know the tactics formation. We'll see what 
you know, the tempo looks like. And I, I think if, if he's getting a baseline of chances, if this team's creating chances, I think he'll be fine. But, you know, as you say, he, he wasn't great in front of goal last year. And so while right now I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt for all the reasons that you laid out, you know, the leash is shorter. But uh, for right now, I'll go with optimism on his front. Yeah, um, and only 33. It's going to be his age 33 season. He's not turning 34 until December. So and, I he's, think, and like, he's not like somebody who was like a, a pace guy to begin with. Like it's not like he was, no. you know, horrifically slow. But but it's like the same way when Ibrahimovic came here. It was like it didn't matter how old he was because and and when he went back to Milan, it's the same thing. He's he's not somebody who's regularly running in behind or like relies on pace and agility like he yeah. did. Like he'll he'll still be able to age well. I think. Yeah. If you just if you just get into good spots for him because he's actually pretty underrated in terms of hold up play as well. Yeah. I think because everyone just looks at the numbers that he put up. He was really great in in, in hold up play too because listen, 20 26 assists at Napoli as well on top of the 91 goals. Like it's it's really impressive for just a guy who was considered a number 9. So, I think if they get that like a good version of him, I think the expectation has to be around 25 goal contributions at minimum. So that's just that's just a standard for a guy like that I have. And and particularly with when you have MLS which counts secondary assists so that he, he should he should get at least a handful of assists if for no other reason than he's I think again as you say underrated for his hold up play and he should be the focal point of every attack. So if there's a goal it'll likely mm-hmm. be either him or within two passes from him. Yeah. So again, boomer bust but I guess you know he's used to that kind of pressure so we'll see we'll see what version of him pops up. Another guy who's pretty much a legend, um, definitely on this side of the, the world, is Chicharito. Um, he had a massive move. Like this was just if you could if you could say if Chicharito was coming to MLS, to any any fan in general, whether you follow the league very closely or if you're just a casual, the prob- the first name that would probably come out of your mouth is LA Galaxy. Um, that's that's where he went again not a season worth noting. He's been on the record just recently saying he's more motivated than ever. And he was pretty much embarrassed is basically a way to put it about what happened last season. Two goals. His, his fellow countryman plays for his city rival now too, for LAFC and Carlos Vela. Um, again, what is the expectation for a guy like this? Because it feels like, again, much like Higuain, if you're not putting up goal, uh, big goal numbers or contribution numbers, it kind of comes off as a massive disappointment and failure. Yeah, this one is uh, a bit more difficult to judge because with, with Higuain, you could make the excuses that he came here mid-year and then, you know, everything mm-hmm. else. And, you know, obviously Chicharito had to deal with the pandemic too, like everybody else, and just, you know, a dumpster fire that the LA Galaxy were. <laughs> but um and, and Guillermo Barros Pilto was known for not having you know clear ideas and a clear system it was about just talent and that didn't seem to work right for Chicharito but man um the outlook is is more pessimistic I think than optimistic you know until he gets on the field and starts to prove it um their head coach Greg Vanny has has been talking in all of his availabilities that yeah like to Chicharito I don't believe he scored in the preseason or if he has he's just been large, uh, largely disappointing based on, on the tone of the way that Vanny was talking. He's just like, yeah, you know, comes with sharpness. Every, it's preseason. Who cares? You know, what, what I'm happy about is that he's getting in the right spots and making the right runs and, you know, getting the right touches. And, you know, that sounded exactly like every single press conference that Galaxy had last year when he was when they were asked about what's up with Chicharito. And it's like, well, he's, he, they, we just need to get him more chances. He's, he's him. He's going to finish it. We don't worry about it. 
and then the, like you said the whole season goes by and he, and he scores twice and one of which was in a garbage, garbage time <laughs> or, and one of them was garbage time in, in one of the last games I, I think I forget if it was the Portland game or not but I, I from memory it was like when they were losing like 5-1 and he scored the second he made it 5-1 um, minute Something yeah, like that. In, against the Sounders in, in November. So he only played 21 minutes, but he got a goal on that. It was a 1-1 draw. So. All right, I take that back. I'm glad that you were, you were there, so it's a check. Uh, <laughs> I got it, yeah. I was, cur- yeah, I was curious for it. Yeah, no problem. Yes, all right, so, so fair enough. But but still, that's two goals in, in however many minutes he played. And I don't know, man. Um, I, I, I do back Chicharito in the sense that at literally every single club he's been at, he's scored goals within X amount of minutes. It's just, you know, every single club he's been at. So I don't doubt that the Galaxy would be different. And he is genuinely motivated from the people I've talked to. Like, this isn't just a show that he puts on Instagram about his training videos. Like, he genuinely cares. He's genuinely upset about how last year went. Um, and and we'll, we'll kind of see how Vanny's system and style, you know, hopefully helps him because Vanny's somebody who has clear ideas. He, he's one of the most respected coaches in the league. Um, but we'll see what that supporting cast is. They signed two wingers from France, one of which Kevin Cabral isn't here yet. So it's still a work in progress. And a slow start for Chicharito is, would be a very, very bad thing because of all the questions and, and everything else that would come with, hey, is this going to be more of the same from last year? So, you know, I think that it's good news that they're playing in a Miami to open this, this season. And, and it's, 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 you know, a little bit of a mirror image of these two clubs. You know, there's, you know, Galaxy have the history, but Miami are supposed to also be the glamour club too that were severely underplaying expectations last year. So hopefully, you know, between the two of them, one of these teams will kind of get their season jump started on the back of the other one. Who, you know, somebody you would hope that somebody will win, um, but you know, the more we talk it out, it feels like it'll be you know a one-one draw where Chicharito nor Iguain get on the score sheet and both teams walk away disappointed. Yeah, no, I mean, just that would just be a terrible sort of matchup. And I, I think that's a great matchup to have in the first place, by the way, to, to kick it off because again, just there's a lot of ties to that former Real Madrid player, um, both of them. So I, again, I, I don't know. I just, he just should be a lot better. And he's a, and he's a player who yeah. is, yeah. who's really solely, not solely dependent upon it, but he, he really makes a lot more sense when you provide the service for him. Like he, if, if you're not giving Chicharito the proper service, it's going to be difficult for him. And especially, I think, when you start aging like this, he's not going to be able to do a lot of the running and, you know, get involved in the play like he could have back yeah. in the day. You know, like he, he's never been like uh, he's always just been that the number nine where he might have 11 touches in the game and score once or twice. Yeah. Um, and I think that the difference between like him and, say, Christian Pavone, who played really well for the Galaxy last year in a losing cause. He's he has the type the type of profile that like with Guillermo Barrescoloto not having a real system or real clear ideas, it was kind of like, hey, just try to get Pavone in his face and see if he can create something. That's his game. That's not Chicharito's game. So that's why I think yeah. that coaching change should benefit him. And it, it just depends on if, you know, the supporting cast is gonna get him enough chances and if he doesn't get in his own head and, and doesn't kind of let it snowball the same way that it did last year. Yeah, uh, definitely. And he needs to stay healthy, too, because of those, those injuries at the same time. Um, yeah. you, just, you just can't get anything started there. So um, speaking of injuries, there wasn't a bigger injury for MLS last year than Joseph Martinez. Um, another guy who's just – is it is it unfair to say that he's an MLS legend? Because I know some people like to do like, oh, he's got a 
a certain player has to play for a certain amount of years before you can consider them a legend, you know, like a Landon Donovan type of career, but that's a, obviously a different type of career. But I mean, my God, I don't, I don't, I can't remember someone who took the league by storm coming over um, from Europe like this. I mean, if Atlanta United's going to have to do anything um, and I know they've been in a rough patch and there's been a lot of, you know, interchangeable parts going on in terms of managers and, and, and players, but we've seen players come back from ACL injuries. Um, is it, are you worried about it no. at all? No, I'm not. This dude, this okay. dude is a straight up assassin. I, he has not only one of the, the greatest finishing records in, in league history already, but yeah, this dude is a straight up assassin. His mentality is on another level. He would, you know, people joke like he'd, two foot his grandma if it meant like, getting a tap in <laughs> like this dude is I maybe he'll have a little bit of rust like he didn't look great in his minutes against uh Alalense in, in the Concacaf Champions League but I don't care man like the only way I'd be worried if, if it's like July 15th and he hasn't scored yet and even then I'd still be like he's still got time to score 15 goals this season like I think he'll be fine like this dude and and to your larger point of if he's a legend or not I mean Maybe it's just recency bias, but I'd say, yeah. And, and it's not just me that there was, a, you know, a panel of 200 MLS experts and not just, you know, younger guys like, like ourselves, you know, neither one of us were voters anyway, but these were, you know, <laughs> esteemed journalists and, and people within and out of the league who've been with the league since the beginning. And they voted on the 25 greatest players in league history. And uh, Joseph Martinez was one of them. Uh, so that kind of speaks to the way yeah. that he's thought of, you know, with everybody and not just, say the like the joke about Atlanta United fans is that they think MLS started in 2016 or 2017 whenever they joined the league like that's how he's regarded around the league like I I, I don't think that you're out of line calling him a legend okay good because I got I, I was calling Luka Doncic a legend because I'm just I have an affinity for Luka Doncic <laughs> if anyone doesn't know that so I've been I I've been on that kid's t- like he's just unbelievable but that's a different sport obviously um so what, what kind of expectations do you have before we kind of jump into the youngsters? What, what is Atlanta United ceiling here? Are they going to be competing for this title or we could just wait till towards the end again um, when we have well, the predictions? I, what I'd say is that whoever, all, all the fans who kind of enjoyed, you know, watching their demise last year, I hope that you got your laughs in last year because it ain't <laughs> going to be like that this year, man. Like yeah, Gabriel Heinze is, is the real deal. Um, I think Santiago, Santiago Sosa signed from River Plate is going to be looked at as one of the very, like an Edward Atuesta kind of signing where it was heralded, but it was, you know, he wasn't a young forward. He wasn't somebody everybody knew. I think that that dude's going to be awesome in MLS. I think that he's going to be the fulcrum of everything that Heinze wants tactically. And he's just super talented. And I don't know, man, the fact they just signed Alan Franco, their, their one need was a center back after everything else that they've done. Alan Franco is, 24 years old so he's at the beginning of his prime he's already debuted for the Argentine national team so if he's I don't know 66 percent as good as I think he's going to be they're going to be they're going to really have no holes and and again I I I hope you know what particularly the Orlando fans who who got to watch their team have you know their best season ever while Atlanta had their worst season ever I hope you got your laughs in last year I I really do (laughs) okay I I see where you stand on this that's great that's great to know um because they they have the most electric fan base. It's just, it's so shocking. I think I brought it up again to see like kind of the fans that the Atlanta Braves used to get. And that was the most dominant team mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. in in the city of Atlanta. But then to just see it get sold out like that. But yeah, anyways, 
so what we had you on last time for with the greatest information and i love it just especially as someone who watches a lot of uh european football and then you know I, I, I kind of I watch MLS on occasion. I'm not a I'm not an expert. You, you don't have to front. It's okay. I'm not going to. <laughs> no, no, no. It's just everyone else, so no one gets on my ass for it. Um. <laughs> so yeah, there's obviously a ton of youngsters out there, and a lot more teams just around Europe are really starting to take notice. We see time and time and again, USA is having a record number of of players not only playing in Europe in the Champions League and Europa League the most prestigious competitions in club football that you could be playing in. Um, who's got next, man? Who's who's the next one? Who's the next Daryl DK here? He doesn't have to be from the NCAA. He doesn't have to be in the MLS draft. Where's he from and how good is he? And when's he going to get to Europe? So there are a lot of different options that go kind of down this path. There, there's, you know, the domestic homegrown players. There's some of the really exciting youngsters signed from abroad. You know, there's, the guys who have been here for a couple of years who are probably due for a move. So I think I'll go on tiers with a couple of these. So I'll start with that last one with ease everybody in with, with the names they know, you know, Edward Atuesta. Um, I don't know if he's going to go to Europe or not because the LAFC were in discussions with uh, Palmeiras, Palmeiras and then mm -hmm. another Brazilian team over potential move. And people might be disappointed that that's not going to Europe, but look, if you can go to a team that's consistently challenging the Copa Libertadores, I think that's still a, a nice move. And, you know, he, he's somebody who I think would thrive just about anywhere in the world. I'm, I'm really big on Edward Atuesta. Ezekiel Barco, he hasn't shown it, but, dude, he shows and flashes that talent. And if he could just make better decisions with his final ball, man, he'd be like a $20 million player, $25 million player. Like, he, he's, he's just incredibly talented. Um, so, yeah, those are kind of like the two – names that people would probably have already known that are kind of around MLS. Mm -hmm. do, do you want me to, if, if, do you want to interject there before I go to the next tier or do I? Keep no, 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 just keep, keep going. I'm here oh, to listen, all right. I'm here this, to this listen might, on this part. This yeah. might be a long, <laughs> a long, a long uh, like Shakespearean soliloquy. Um, <laughs> okay, and the, there's a couple other guys that, that are, are also kind of, you know, maturing to that age, like Jeremy Bobasi, like I, I reported um, earlier this winter that, you know, there were a number of European clubs that, that reached out about him and, you know, the, the bids were laughable, <laughs> quite honestly, or, or the inquiries were, were, were laughable, quite honestly. And, and you uh, mean in terms of just not enough money, correct? Yeah, like one one team floated the idea to see if he was going to be available for, you know, like a million and Portland were like, why did you even call us? Like, <laughs> But um, yeah, he, 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 has, he has legitimate suitors there and um, then moving down more to like the, the younger domestic guys, Cole Bissett and James Sands, those are, you know, two of my favorite young players. They have both kind, they've both proven it for multiple years in MLS, how good they are and how talented they are. And again, I, I can tell you based on people I've talked to and sources I've talked to that, that those, these are, they have legitimate followers in Europe and, and both teams, both NYCFC for Sands and with, with the Rapids for Bissett, they're not going to kind of get blocked the same way that the Red Bulls have, have kind of stood stood pat uh, when Aaron Long has had interest abroad. So I mm -hmm. think that it's a matter of time for Bissett and Sands. Um, I, I would assume that they're both going to stay here for the season. But look, if somebody comes in with a bid that's over your valuation midseason and they, the player gets his head turned, you're, you're just going to have to sell. So Cole Bissett for the Rapids, he's like this really dynamic box-to-box -box center mid who's he, he's 
last year he was, I think, eighth in the league in distance covered per 90 minutes. And he's got this knack for arriving late and scoring goals as, you know, from a number eight position, which is so valuable. And, you know, the first guy who comes to mind with that is Frank Lampard, just because of how many goals he scored. And, and, you know, I'm not saying that he's Lampard. I'm just saying that the mold of the player he is, is that he's good for, you know, five to eight goals a season, at least if he has the minutes. And, and that's, you know, just a, a great quality of number eight. And James Sands probably doesn't get enough headlines because he's, you know, like a vanilla defensive mid slash center back hybrid. Um, but his intelligence, his simplicity, his tackling, his timing, all of this, he's, he's just phenomenal. And just because this dude doesn't dribble people or right now ping, you know, 50 yard through balls doesn't mean that he's not just a, a fantastic professional. And again, he's, I think 21 or, or maybe turning 21 this year. These are just, that's just a dude who you could drop him in right now. And, you know, Germany and a mid table German team. And I, I think he'd figure it out and I think he'd get minutes and he'd be fine. Um, a couple of the younger guys that I like Tanner Tessman. Um, I feel bad that his story gets hijacked a little bit in that he was going to go to Clemson to play soccer before Dallas offered a homegrown contract, but he's the godson of Dabo Swinney. So Dabo. Oh, okay. <laughs> possibly to possibly to force Dallas's hand is, is kind of like a thought, Hey, like, let me help you get more. Like he was like, look, I think you're an Leverage, incredible athlete. Yeah. All I've, I've seen you kick on kick footballs on a field in front of me. I'm offering you a scholarship. So name association. It's like Tanner Tessum gets asked about, Oh, you were going to go to Clemson and play football. And it's that it's like, as if he wasn't this big time prospect in his own right in soccer. So like, I usually hesitate to bring that up <laughs> with him because that's, again, people just do word association. Oh, Clemson football. But, uh, but this dude is, is a big box of box center mid. He's great with his feet. He's like a more athletic Keaton Parks in, in, in that mold where he's, he's got really good feet and, and, you know, maybe he doesn't have quite the passing range that Parks has because Parks is, is an incredible passer, but he's just really dynamic. He can do a lot in that midfield. And, and that's a dude that I'm really high on him. Like last year, he, he got his kind of breakout, but I think this year he's going to play most games and, and a lot of people are going to you know come around and, and obviously, as, as you, as, as a big fan of Italian football, you, you probably heard the name Gianluca Busio. Fiorentina had a $4 million bid uh, rejected for him in January of 2020, so before last season. Um, and he kind of flashed positional um, variants. Yeah, uh, that I didn't know he had because he came up as a 10. Mm-hmm. And there were some kind of questions about him as like a high-level attacker. And I, I, I think that he's still going to be fine there, but he played – as the number six for Sporting Kansas City after a couple injuries uh, to other players, and he just looked awesome. You know, obviously he still needs to learn how to defend like a like a six, but the fact that you have somebody who's equally adept at six, eight, and ten, like that's super valuable. And he has an Italian passport. Um, a few more here to kind of uh, round it up. I'll stop talking. I promise. Um, no, go go for it. Go for it. Noble Akello, he burst onto the scene in the CCL over the last two games for Toronto FC because he jumps off the screen. Literally, he's six foot five, the center mid, who's like super um super swift and and he glides with the ball like the lazy comparison is Paul Pogba because again it's a six foot five center mid who's just just seems like he glides but he looked really awesome and and Toronto's not going to be able to keep him a secret for much longer um I think that he's just about like they have a really strong midfield but they have a lot of guys who get injured or miss games so I think that he's going to get a ton of minutes this year and then one more is Moses uh Neiman Neiman he um DC United, he's either just turned 17 or, or will turn 17 soon. He was highlighted by the Guardian as one of the, the top 50 
um, prospects in his age group, I think 2004, 2003, which is wild. It's, uh, I can't get used to that stuff yet. It's, it's insane, really right? weird. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so he was highlighted in the same article as like Ansu Fati and, and there's, you know, another couple of European guys who have broken through who are like the, the yeah. top of the top talents. Jude more. Bellingham probably. Uh, no, I think he's a little younger than Jude. Um, but, but, so, but that, but that kind of, that kind of uh, pedigree it was, he was on that list. He was, I think gotcha. the only American on it. And again, he's a big time prospect. Um, a ball playing defensive midfielder. He, he's he's on the shorter side, but at his like he in his like 500 minutes last year, his IQ was just wild for a 16 year old, and and he he was able to kind of work around the fact that again he's you know pretty small for you know to play at that position, but he's he's somebody I'm really looking forward to getting minutes, particularly with their head coach Hernan Lusada. It's it's his first year in MLS. He's the youngest head coach in the league. He's only 36, and when he left his Belgian club Beerschot. The, not only did he, he leave with a high reputation because he took this team from the second division, they weren't supposed to get promoted. They he got him promoted. And when he left, they were in the top half of the table against all odds. Kind of, it was. It wasn't just that they were sad about losing somebody who had been successful. It was like this dude was so entered. His teams were so entertaining. We're mad we're losing this guy. So, if he can do that with DC United, I'm super excited to see what uh, Moses can do. Well, that's a hell of a lot of names, though. So that's kind of, so that's so that's a great, lot of though. things to edit and cut up and, and for for videos. Hey, man, listen, we're just gonna toss everything in there. Everyone can listen uh, and play back if they need to, and we'll, we'll definitely <laughs> cut we'll definitely cut them up like uh, the Derek DK ones. Perfect. We had only, we have only the good ones. Only only the ones that turn out to be right. Yeah, the other ones we just we'll just get rid of them. No one will ever know. You brought it up. We'll just blame it on the Guardian um, in case that happens. Uh, so let's get into some of the questions you got. Um, funny. So we'll just explain to a couple of people. Um, I posted a tweet from the State of Play account um, to get some questions in for Tom. Tom quote tweeted it. Um, we got a few in here. One of them <laughs> was a tweet about your mustache, but the account was suspended. So I don't <laughs> somehow within the six hours of that guy writing that tweet, he got suspended for something. Lord he knows what he did. did. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even want to know. We can't we can't research it if we want to if we wanted to. Um, so, yeah, I and I asked and I, I asked you remember, when you I, I remember the basis of it. It was essentially it was it was, you know, whose mustache and MLS stacks up with mine. And I'm going to put it out there again. Sasha Kleshin is the godfather of this. It's Sasha Kleshin's mm-hmm. award. That dude is always number one. I've jokingly called myself the, the men's league version of, of prime Sasha Kleshin. So that's the <laughs> one that's always number one. Um, as much as I love Rocco Rios Novo uh, because of his, he's, you know, 18, I think, Argentinian goalkeeper on loan from Atlanta United to, to Atlanta United. Um, it was beautiful. I love his confidence in debuting it. And that's why mm-hmm. he kept, two shutouts um, in his emergency uh, minutes for Atlanta. So he's, I love the confidence, but I'm going to have to give just, you know, the fullness and the thickness of mine ahead of his, but let's check back in a couple of years when he gets a little older and, and we'll see if he's still rolling it. Sure. I would, I would, I would say you have the most recognizable mustache. Out uh, of any it's MLS it's reporter. It's no, 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 you didn't let me finish out of any MLS reporter by far. Oh, you, have the, you have the best yeah. mustache. I don't know too many MLS reporters, say, but yeah. you're, <laughs> I don't, I don't. Say. <laughs> admitted admittedly admittedly um yeah and even for that for that matter i don't even know recall that many american sports journalists in general in any sport that have a great uh mustache 
Um, so, so there you go. So you were, you were first place by default. Um, so let's go through some of these that we have. We have about four and then we'll get your predictions and you can plug your stuff and we'll let you have the rest of your beverages that you were looking forward to. Um, okay. So we'll start off with can, um, men's national team universe, I guess is a Canadian national national, uh, men's national team universe, um, comes out and asks, um, is this the year that an MLS side brings home the CCL? If so, and who? And what do you expect from the Canadian sides in the MLS this season? Vancouver, Montreal. We kind of already discussed that um, at the beginning of the episode. But um, go ahead with the CCL first. And then if you have any thoughts about if any of the Canadian teams make the playoffs and who, go feel free to uh, do that as well. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm an eternal optimist. Um, thanks to my man, Andrew Wiebe. I've followed in that when it comes to CCL, and it always leaves in heartbreak. Um, and that's, <laughs> that's what's funny about how well we're going to have every single MLS team is has advanced unless that somehow Columbus blow a 4 nothing lead against a Honduran – or not Honduran uh, – Guatemalan team tonight, which is just not going to happen. I was going to say, don't say Honduran anymore because like, there ruffles a lot of feathers over here in the States now after what That's happened. It's also true. I forgot about that. But, yeah, <laughs> Guatemalan team anyway. So it, it was incredible how well they did. But in 2018, I would have said Toronto FC were going to win the final. Last mm. year, I would have said LAFC were going to win the final, and both of that ended in heartbreak. One was penalties – and the other was LAFC went up 1-0, and then T-Grace did the T-Grace thing, uh, Geniac did the Geniac thing, and, and they lost 2-1 in the final there. But just numbers-based, we're going to have five out of eight quarterfinalists. One of those matchups is obviously MLS versus MLS. So no matter what, we're going to have one semifinalist. And just kind of the way that these teams have played, like, I think the problem in the past was depth. And Portland and Columbus in particular are just as deep as, as some of these Liga MX uh, teams, which is not something that you could really say ever before an MLS. So that's a credit to their roster building and a credit to them making the most out of the mechanisms available to them. That being said, I'm just going to say yes, because again, I'm optimistic. Um, and mm-hmm. if you had to pin me down, I, I would say that it, it, it's, it's going to come from the one, the one side of the bracket is it's Portland versus Club America. Um, and if Portland win that, then it would be an all American semifinal. So, you know, Portland, Atlanta, Philly are on that side of the bracket, and, and I feel all right about that. You know, I think Columbus are the best team in this competition, but they're almost definitely going to play CF Monterey, who are giants in Mexico, and, and that is a very difficult team. But if Columbus gets past that and gets to the semifinal, man, I can see them winning this too. All right, then. Then that's an eternal optimist, Tom, for <laughs> for the CCL. Um, Canadian team making the playoffs? Uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely think Toronto will. Um, I'm high. I, I don't think Montreal will. I, they're perennially picked to either finish last or second or last in the East. Um, and Vancouver, I'm higher on than most people. Um, and I do believe if they sign a DP number 10, like they've been saying literally for eight months now, and they haven't done it, but if they sign it, sign one soon, then I think that they can can be a playoff team. It just depends on that. And, and the fact that the Western Conference is, is a bloodbath. So, um I like Vancouver. Not sure if they're one of the best seven teams in the West right now, but uh, I think Toronto are definitely going to make the playoffs. Okay. Toronto juggernaut. Um, so there you go. Um, so does anyone break the MLS points record this year? Uh, this is from William Reed, by the way, he says following the three um, consecutive record setting seasons from Toronto, Red Bulls and LAFC prior to that mess, that was 2020 question mark. Uh, so yeah, yeah. anyone. The, 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 the points record was broken the regular season, 2017, 18, and 19. 
And that's a good point. I hadn't even considered that. But, no, I don't think so this year because some of the best teams, um, again, LAFC maybe would be the only one that I'd say have a chance only because they aren't in CCL, so they don't have to worry about these double game weeks. Um, And then their best player, Carlos Vela, isn't with the – like he's retired from the national team, so he won't be gone during the middle of the season. There are going to be so many players missing games in, in, in the summer because of all the summer tournaments and all the international windows and stuff. So I think, no, that there isn't going to be a team that breaks a record just if for nothing else other than a lot of teams are going to be without some of their best players. And there's going to be a lot of rotation because the schedule is still 34 games despite it starting. You know, I think the season's be, mm-hmm. being played in with like one month less of time. So mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of midweek games. There's going to be a lot of weird like – okay, Seattle put out their exclusively their second string tonight and they're not going to get it. They're not going to get three points kind of thing. I don't think that a uh, record can be broken with, with so many games and, and so much distractions and so many players missing time. Gotcha. All right, then not optimistic about that. <laughs> uh, so who scores more goals this season, Chicharito or new who <laughs> I, am I saying that correctly? Yeah, I, try, yeah. I tried, go, I tried Googling the name and sometimes they give you this. New who is, is a, a legend in, in a Cameroonian. Yeah. Uh, and, and he's, he's likely to do a bicycle clearance. He's just one of the most fun players to watch because he, the unpredictable, unpredictability factor is off the charts, absolutely off the charts, but mm-hmm. he hasn't scored. This is a joke question because he hasn't scored a goal in MLS. And they're actually converting him. They're playing a three at the back system this year. They're converting him to left center back. So no, he's not going to score more goals than than the uh, all time leading scorer from Mexico. That um, I, I haven't clicked on that account, but I'd venture a guess that they're an LAFC fan. <laughs> gotcha. Um, and then lastly, we have Dieter Van Gucht, a big uh, fan of the podcast and friend of the podcast. Um, he says, which team will be the surprise package? This upcoming season, which player will score the most goals and who and what do you expect of the signings? So I guess all in one question (laughs) within the same team that you were picking. True. Okay, that's a good one. I was going to say that's super open-ended. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, it comes down to expectations. I I need to start this by saying like my own, like where I view it. So like I, you know. I don't know where other people think Nashville are going to finish in, in our MLSR.com's predictions. I had them as the highest, so I'm going, to, I'm going to count this. I think that Nashville are, again, going to surprise some people because um, too many neutrals think that this team is just all defense and hopefully they'll get a goal on a counter or a set piece. Um, yeah, the beginning of the season, their attack wasn't good, but it was an expansion season that happens. Middle of the season, it was starting to get better, but it still wasn't good enough. They signed a DP center forward, Yonder Cadiz, mid-season or um, more in the second half of the season, their three DPs did not start one single regular season game together. And their, you know, a club record signing missed, I think, like seven of the last ten games. Yet still over that point with their DP forward coming off the bench and one of their DPs mostly out of the lineup, they were producing at, you know, like 10th best-ish in the league goals per game. And I think that there's so much room for – growth on the attacking side and I, I do believe that the talent that they have on the attacking side is going to be strong and with this team they were they conceded less than a goal a game it was historically great for an expansion team this they, they don't need to be scoring three goals a game if they score twice they're winning it's simple as that and and if, even if they score once they're getting a lot of points so I think that Nashville are going to surprise people in the fact that I think that they're going to host a first round playoff game um let me pull the rest of that question so 
<laughs> yeah, you're good. So if he means with that team, yeah, um, sure. We'll just we'll just do that. Goals, yeah. I'll go with Yonder Cadiz, but as far as the Golden Boot, I'm back in Carlos Vela, and that was boring. But he'll be here all season. He won't be on with international right. okay. international duty. And then the signing. So for Nashville, they they really only signed a Uruguayan youth international winger. Um, I think expectations are going to be super low for him. Same as uh, Rodrigo mm-hmm. Pinero, because they have a lot of other options in attack and a lot of other established options. So they're big. He'll be somebody that's fun to watch, kind of grow and and let him surprise you or surprise us, surprise the league if he settles fast. But he's somebody who if if he's if he doesn't start every single game or if he doesn't start all that often early in the season, it's not going to be like oh this guy's a bust. He sucks. It's uh. It's going to be fun to just kind of watch a Uruguay youth international, you know, find his feet. It's honestly such just a, just to give some praise to Uruguay, by the way, they're, yeah. they are so goddamn amazing for a country that does not have a high population, by the way. And that's also why I don't, I'm so sick and tired of hearing excuses about um, U.S. men's national team and just like, oh, we're not putting our best athletes towards this. It's like, yeah. really? Like Uruguay has like 10 people and they're way better than us. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. Um Prediction time for the rest of the season, Tom. We're going to go with East, West, and the title. Um, so give me each. By the way, just so you, if anyone is interested in gambling odds, because I, I always do gambling stuff, by the way. So Atlanta United, just for reference on how low they are. I'll, I'll tell you all the teams that they're behind in, for favorites to win the title. They're behind the Red Bulls. Union, New England, Orlando City, Portland, Toronto, Seattle, NYCFC, LAFC, and Columbus. So Atlanta United are plus 2,500. Decent odds, man. Decent odds. That's a decent value play. I'm not not sure if they'll do it, but that's a decent value play. Um, Just so you – well, because you you backed them because they said their uh, Orlando City fans shouldn't be too happy about what happened last year. So just for for reference there. Yeah, no, that's a good point. The only team that that I, like, scratch my head at is the Red Bulls shouldn't be favorite ahead of them. I don't know. Uh, Yeah, they're at uh, 2,100 at the same as New England. So they're on the same level right there. That's really weird. But, um, yeah, so for these conference again, and and I hedge this with – I'm always hesitant to do predictions because none of us know what the hell's going to happen. Like, uh, like, sure. E- even if, like, let's say whoever, I, like, my pick, let's say even if it's right, there could be. Mm-hmm. I-, I could tell you it's. Well, I think that this team has a really good attack, and then they all of a sudden come out, and if even if they top the conference, they have a great defense, or you know whatever happens. So yeah. I'm hedging it at all that. Um, all right. I'll be boring though. <laughs> I'm going to be boring and say Columbus. Mm-hmm. just because like i don't know if they're going to top the conference during the season just you know been there done that kind of thing um but i think that they're gonna you know be they're, they have so much top end talent and so much depth that it, you know, anything can happen in these one-off playoff games but like i would i would ride with them kind of in any scenario and okay. and just to go bonus in in that i like to do with tiers based rather than predictions you know i, I think that do whatever the hell you want man go no, ahead. Yeah, so I, i'm making a pick it's columbus but my top tier i think would be you know, Columbus, Atlanta, and then a half tier down would be like New England and Philly. Like, I, I think that those are, you know, okay. the best bets to come out. And maybe so none, none of the tri-state area teams, no Red Bulls, uh, no NYCFC. You're off no, on sir. that. We'll, we'll see what NYCFC do over the summer with transfer news. But as of right now, not yet. Who, who kn- I mean, listen, fact of the matter is they got to get in a real stadium and not play in a Yankee yes. stadium. That's, yeah. that's and a separate game. The Red Bull Arena again this year, which is, just brutal for the fans. Uh, you know what? A, no, I have no comment. We'll just keep going. <laughs> it's been all so, that yeah. one's been all played out anyway. 
<laughs> it, it has been, yeah. Uh, West. Um, again, I'm going to be boring. LEFC, I just think they're a juggernaut. I think that even last year when they were missing some of the – like Carlos Vela went down, the best player in the league. Like when, when Atlanta United's best and most important player went down, they cratered to like one of the worst teams in the conference. When it happened to LEFC, they still, whenever they had a semblance of like even 60% of a first string 11, they were awesome. Like I just think that this team is entirely too good both top heavy and deep. It's just, mm-hmm. and then I think Bob Bradley's got to be, if not the best coach in the league, and then he's in that top tier of elite team. But other teams that I could see, it's LAFC and then, you know, Minnesota and Portland are, are two teams that I'm really big on too. Ooh, you're big on Minnesota. Minnesota's same uh, number as Atlanta, by the way. So they're, yeah, they're if, like 2,500, yeah. If we recorded this 10 days ago before they had signed um, uh, Juancho Babila, uh, a striker from Boca Juniors, I wouldn't have been. Mm-hmm because their current striker is Juan Agudelo, who has, um, he was. Man, do I remember him. He had never, he has legitimately never scored double-digit goals in MLS. That is so ridiculous. That is so ridiculous. Like, just to even, like, think about it, because I remember when he was playing over here for Red Bulls. um, I thought he was going to be the greatest player ever. I thought thought he was going to be an MLS legend, man. I just. Me too. too. Youngest goal scorer in U.S. history at, at the time, and then he's just. I don't know. It's unfortunate, I but he's. Yeah. I thought that their plan was going to go into the season with him as their starting center forward, and I was going to be really disappointed. Well, but there you go. they didn't. They're not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, LAFC versus Columbus in the final could be a guess. Who would win in that scenario? Oh man, it's just too easy for me to pick. Not too easy for me to pick LAFC, but it's just, <laughs> again, I know it's boring, but like if you played the season a hundred, if you played the season a hundred times, LAFC would probably win the most. And like, yeah. Any, again, anything can happen. You know, New England got to the conference final despite being an eight seed. Minnesota kind of came out of nowhere to, to be – they were up 2-0 at Seattle with 15 or 20 minutes left and somehow didn't get to MLS Cup final. Like, yeah, there there are so many different variations that happen. But if you played the season 100 times, I think the LAFC would be the champion most often. They're the same odds as Columbus, by the way, everybody. Plus 550 at the FanDuel Sportsbook if you do play with it. No value. No value in that. From this early, there's 550 in MLS is not. You don't, you don't think you place a hundred to win 550 bucks. You don't, if you, if you think LAFC is going to, yeah, but that number is only going to. Last year though, too. And then they finished seventh in the West because of all their injuries and their playoff game. They were missing their, they were already without Vela. And then. Yeah. But the the playoffs are. Yeah. So it is, it is difficult with this, with this, it is difficult with this league. Like definitely like playoffs are, it's, it's a completely different route. By the way, before, before we head on out, how much, how much of a big fan are you are of the playoffs? Like, is it, is it something that you love? Because there's no way it's going to work to have the 30 teams in one table. It's just not going to ever happen here. Right. Like it's just, yeah, we, so the, the, yes, I love the playoffs just because of that. And the fact that unless that they change the schedule to be like the European model, whereas you just play everybody home and away, then mm-hmm. there, there'd be no way to just crown it. Like people even point that out with the supporter shield. And that's why it's like people will say that it's obviously less important than the playoff title, even though the MLS cup title rather, even though the playoffs are a crapshoot, but like, we're not going to ever get to a spot where it's okay. You play every team home and away and that's it. Because, like you said, we're about to be at 30 teams in a few years, and that's what, like, 
uh, 58 games like that's and not, and the not. geographical aspect of it like people like forget when you're in europe you're not traveling that far like you could take a like a 40 minute flight and you're in like from fucking portugal all the way to france or whatever right and then we we take a two and a half hour plane ride it has to take us all the way to miami from new york or it's actually even longer it'll probably be like closer to three hours right so like that that alone like the difference is insane with the yeah, with the really geographical is. standpoint like the traveling is is just nuts like you go from new york city all the way to la like come on like come on now like that's it's like it's a lot of argentines come to league and the, the argentina the argentine top division i forget what the exact number is but it was something insane like 15 of the 20 teams in the top flight are mm-hmm. within the buenos aires area so like these argentine like they almost always take a bus anyway but they're like literally not even leaving their city yeah and then they come to mls and like you come to chicago and it's like your closest game is like a three-hour drive and it's like (laughs) what like that that would be the longest road trip of the season if if they were back in argentina like it's it's crazy like you said people kind of don't really understand like holy crap like this is a really different experience to people coming to the league yeah and on top of you know if big markets suck and they end up like losing with the whole structure of it too. Like the worst teams are getting the best players. It's not just like the academy aspect, solely the academy on top of the transfer. But anyways, that's a different uh, conversation. For um, I guess too. Yeah, of course. Yeah, too. Um, Tom, thank you so much. It's been it's been another great time. We've almost been an hour. So I was I was discussing with the boys. We're just gonna have to have this as its own episode instead of a full, uh, just part of an episode. So obviously, it's been so great. Tell everybody where they could follow your work on top of the people who already follow you um, and Europeans who might be interested in following the MLS. Tom, I think I called you the Kylian Mbappe of uh, MLS reporters, <laughs> like the best young MLS reporter um, around. And you told me that was ridiculous, but I just kept saying Ball pond. Bullshit. Ball it's, it's true. It's true. Um, <laughs> just, just take it and shut up. Um, so, so, so go ahead and tell everyone where they can find your work this upcoming season and beyond. Yeah, man, just Twitter at Tom Bogart, and then most almost everything will be at MLSsoccer.com. But I think this year I'll, I'll be doing uh, some other stuff for other places. We'll see. Uh, TDD, Ooh. but but uh, uh, yeah, man, I, drop I, a hint. I, drop a hint. Break I got nothing. You, you got. I know. It's okay. It's okay. It's but yeah, okay. dude, I always got time for you guys. Just, uh, hopefully, hopefully we can get the whole crew back together next time. But uh, you know, like you said, I'm yeah. always good. Always got time for you guys in this podcast. Yes, and very sorry about uh, Liverpool being knocked out now. Yeah, it's been tough. Been tough. <laughs> still, they still have a chance to salvage to get to top four potentially, but you know West Ham is is an absolute juggernaut with Jesse Lingard. So, um, so such a shame. It's unbelievable, right? <laughs> so, so yeah. Anyways, Tom, thank you so much once again, and we'll talk soon, brother. All right, brother. Thank you.